Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Garrett Post. I'm Justin Ruderman. And Justin, we have an action-packed episode for the people, including, of course, our Premier League predictions, as this is our last episode before the season finally returns. I'm so excited. But Justin, first, we, of course, have to talk about the Community Shield. Yep, absolutely. I didn't go as I wanted it to go, but let's get into it anyway. Yeah, and, and we can start by addressing the elephant in the room, Justin, which is that we both predicted this wrong. We both said that City would win. That, of course, is not what happened. And Trent Alexander-Arnold opened the scoring in the 21st minute at the King Power Stadium uh, through what was just a fantastic goal. It obviously took a little deflection off Nathan Ake, but it was a great finish. I don't think Ederson was going to save it regardless. Um, and then nothing else really happened until the second half. Uh, when Julian Alvarez came off the bench and scored on his debut for City to level the game at 1-1, a bit of a scrappy goal, but a rebound finally fell to him and he tapped it in to level up the scores. But in the 83rd minute, Liverpool won a penalty uh, through handball. It was quite unfortunate, but I think it probably had to be given. And Mohamed Salah stepped up and made no mistake. You knew he was going to slot at home and he did clinical into the bottom right corner. And then Darwin Nunez also making his debut off the bench, sealed the win for the Reds in stoppage time with a header that came off a, a lovely cushioned header assist from Andy Robertson, a really lovely move from Liverpool. And they ended up lifting the shields at the King power stadium Justin, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, well explained as always, Garrett. I Yeah, I think those first 20 minutes, right, were just terrible for Manchester City. I mean, literally, I, I don't have any positives to take. It was tactically a disaster. It was sloppy all over the place. And Liverpool got their just reward. It was a banger, but they deserved that lead in the first half. Uh, it, it That began to kick City into momentum a little bit in which – City started to take control, take possession, and threaten, you know, get into Liverpool's half, start creating chances. I thought at the end of the first half, potentially, uh, City would have been able to find the equalizer. But as you said, it didn't happen until the second half um, with Julian Alvarez, which great for him getting his first City goal in his first competitive match for City. Fantastic signs for him. On that point, though, the discussion has been about Nunez versus Holland in this game because Nunez obviously came off the bench, played very, very well, had a couple chances, and got that uh, stoppage time goal to put the game away. But I don't think Holland played as bad as people are making it out to be. He did miss that sitter late on, obviously, but that's an anomaly. He's not just going to continually miss sitters. I think he his runs were very good I just think the cohesiveness and connection between him and the midfielders playing him the passes are isn't quite there but it will get there uh and yeah I don't think there was anything to be worried about with Erling Holland in this first match um however obviously tactically City need to find some new things because Pep is trying different tactics uh you could see City out of possession were shifting into a 4-4-2, which they didn't really do last season. Um, and obviously similar ideas in possession, but out of possession, it was different. And I think that uh, there was 
difficulty for the Manchester City players adapting to that. And that's part of the reason that Liverpool were able to score three goals uh, and have even more chances than that. But yeah, fair play to Liverpool. I think they deserved this win, um, even though maybe the stats are, are slightly still to Manchester City. Uh, for me, Liverpool were the better side. The, yeah, the penalty is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, hopefully Manchester City can learn from this and, and we move into the season. Yeah, and just quickly, I thought that um, Kevin De Bruyne was a little surprisingly poor, um, but you know, not anything I'm concerned about, obviously. And then City, I think, just needed mm-hmm. to be more clinical in this game because they, they definitely had opportunities. They had just as many clear cut as Liverpool did, you know, Liverpool just took them a bit better. When you think about Liverpool's first two goals were a screamer from outside the box and a penalty on an unfortunate handball, but city had eight shots on target only managed to put one of them in. And, and that doesn't even include the sitter that Holland clipped off the top of the bar. So, I mean, city needed to score more than one goal in this game. They really should have, I think Mara should have scored Holland obviously should have scored. Um, and I thought Grealish, it wasn't his best outing either. So definitely a lot of room for improvement for City. And the fact that they were in this game until the end, essentially, it was, you know, level until the 83rd minute and that the stats show that, you know, they were more than in this game. I think, you know, City will only improve from that, which is a good sign. You know, I don't see it being any worse than that. And it's not like it was a low standard in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if there was any doubt about Liverpool uh, losing Mane and having, you know, a a large drop up for whatever, I think they proved they're still Manchester City's level. We're still going to have a title race this season. And then, Justin, before we get into the Prem predictions, there was one other game with silverware on the line that we just have to talk about. Of course, the Women's Euro Final 2022 England versus Germany. Talk us through it. Yeah, I mean, the first half was relatively uh, uneventful, shall we say, but I thought it was a very good game from the jump, uh, the intensity, the tactics, everything was was good. I was impressed um, watching this game. It was the second half where it really kicked on, though, in the 67th minute, Ella Toon getting in behind the assist by Kira Walsh. I mean, this just reminded me of something that I would see from Son and Kane with Kane, you know, dropping into the midfield, getting onto the ball and then playing a ball, a through ball over uh, to, to Son running through. In this case, it was Ella Toon running through and finishing with a, a audacious chip. I mean, that is just cheeky, cheeky uh, and perfectly executed as well. Um, and, you know, we thought, okay, that might be it. Can, can Germany find a way? Well, they did in the 79th minute because they kept putting that pressure on uh, and equalized in the 79th minute, which, I mean, that, that's what you want in a final, right? A late equalizer. Now we're going into the last 10 minutes level um, and it, it, it went into extra time level because, um, and what was interesting to me is then you sub out uh, a few players from, from from England, excuse me, Beth Mead, who has been their best player in the tournament. Uh, Georgia Stanway then came off as well late on. I thought those were interesting substitutions. Germany uh, did did similar um, in extra time. They took off some of their best players as well. So I I was surprised because Germany were you know dominating the game in extra time, and I thought that they would be able to find the way through. But those subs made it 
in my opinion, so that Chloe Kelly had the ability to find that winner and provide one of the iconic moments, uh, not only in women's football, but in English football. And it, I mean, all it could remind me of is 1999, Brandy Chastain in the women in the world cup for us. Yeah. Uh, it was incredible moment. Congratulations to Chloe Kelly. Congratulations to England. And it is coming home. All right, Justin, beautifully said. And with that, we can get into the main event. Of course, our Premier League predictions. The season starts on Friday. Cannot wait. Uh, so the way that we're going to do this is we're going to go from the bottom of the table to the top. We have, of course, predicted every single position as well as a various uh, selection of awards and other categories, which we will do after we predict the entire table. Um, and then we've been doing these predictions together, you know, for a while now, Justin, well before we started this podcast back to 2019, 20 was the first time we did it. And we've changed the scoring a little bit, but how it works is at the end of the season, we go back, we look at whether anyone got um, some of the predictions in the table spot on so for example justin predicted city to win the title last year they did they came first so he gets a point for that and so you get one for each team that you you select their position correctly you also get a point if you have the lowest differential so we take where we predicted the team to finish and where they actually finished and we find the difference and then we add that up between the entire table for both of ourselves and then whoever has the lowest on that gets an extra point. And then if you predict the winner of these awards or categories correctly, you get an extra point for that. Justin, I hate to admit it, but you kind of wiped the floor with me last year, taking home a 5-2 win. Um, you, of course, predicted City to win the title. I did not, and you got that right, as well as you placed Watford and Norwich in their correct positions. I got Norwich as well. I think everyone knew they were going to finish bottom of the table. And then we both predicted that Foden would win Young Player of the Year. Um, but Justin, your differential was better than mine across all 20 positions. My differential was 62 and yours was 56. So that gave you the five to two win. And I hate to admit that uh, you've beaten me every single year. So hopefully this year is the end of that trend. My luck's bound to change eventually, right? I mean, hopefully not. But yeah, I, I would expect <laughs> to lose eventually. I can't win every year, but three for three so far. We're trying to make it four for four this year. God, that would be humiliating. I can't let it happen. And that's why I've come up with the best possible predictions right here. Oh, that's impossible because mine are better. <laughs> so, Justin, we can start uh, from the bottom, of course, in 20th position, uh, the bottom of the table. Who have you gone for to get the wooden spoon, if you will? Well, we don't know each other's predictions, right? But I would hope yeah. and assume that you have the same this team in 20th and if we do we could just move on because it is Bournemouth they have spent yeah. nothing in the transfer window they don't even care they're not even trying go right back down Bournemouth yeah they're they're screwed simply put I don't, I don't think there's any other way uh to put it they've yeah I, I don't even know what to add to that you're don't, right you don't so even need to we can move on. on yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna add anything let's swiftly move on to 19th Justin I'll go first on this one um, I have their promotion partners, if you will, the winners of the championship. I have Fulham in 19th going back down. Uh, I, I just don't think they've strengthened enough either. I don't think Andreas Pereira is going to be anywhere near enough. And I like Marco Silva as a manager. I think he did an incredible job uh, with Fulham last year, but he just hasn't gotten the backing that he needs. And we know 
the insane drop off that Mitrovic has when he goes from the championship to the Premier League. So yeah, I just don't think Fulham have enough to stay up considering the other teams, you know, in and around that area of the table. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the question is, can Mitrovic keep them up after his record setting season last season? To me, the answer is no. We've seen it before. Obviously, you know, when any player gets promoted, they score about 25% amount as goals as they in the Premier League as they did in the championship. Um, but for Mitrovic himself, we've seen it multiple times where he comes up and just flops in the Premier League. He cannot do it in the Premier League, but he is an absolute monster in the championship. And that's just how it goes. Uh, additionally, Carvalho is a massive loss and they just didn't replace him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're, they're going back down, but they are better than Bournemouth. So 19th. So we have them in the same position, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the one thing I will say is, yeah, you score a lot less goals in the Premier League unless you're Patrick Bamford two years ago. Because <laughs> that was a nuts season. But, and then Justin, so the final team for relegation, and this is where I'm sure we're going to differ. Hit me. Southampton. Ooh. It's, time, it's time for them to go. They've been floating around that. They've been just surviving. Hassan Hoodle's keeping them up while they're getting battered 9 0 almost every single season in the league. <laughs> They're just not good enough. I like what they're trying to do with this young project. Um, they're trying to, you know, steal a bunch of city players. I think Bazunu's still going to have an incredible season in goal. I think Lavia and Aribo are very, very good signings, but I just don't think it's enough. I just don't. And it's, I, I wish I could say that I, that they stay up because I love Bazunu. I love Lavia. They're city products. You know what I mean? I think they're both going to impress a lot as well as I think our Evo is, but I just think it's time Southampton go down because I think the Premier League is just too good right now. Yeah, see, I was considering having Southampton in 18th, but I do not, Justin. I have Brentford going Ooh. back down. Second season syndrome, Justin. It's a real thing, especially when one of the main things that kept you up the season before, Christian Eriksen, because Brentford were in real trouble before they got that signing over the line, which was an incredible acquisition, arguably signing of the season, and it completely turned their form around. But Justin, he's gone to United, and they've replaced him with Keen Lewis Potter, who's a good prospect and all, but is he enough to keep you up? No, I really don't think so. Um, and I don't think Josh De Silva is anywhere near the level that, that they need either. Because when Erickson joined Brentford, they were six points clear of the relegation zone with three more games played. And, and when you think about the fact that Burnley and Everton both had real upticks in form and then Newcastle as well, Brentford got very lucky that they ended up surviving, in my opinion. And with the loss of Erickson, I, I just don't think they've done enough to keep them up. I think second season syndrome is going to get them just like it has other teams. For example, Sheffield United recently that we can think of Leeds last year almost went down because of it. Uh, I think Brentford are going to be victims. Well, that's this is why I love not knowing your picks because I'm not going to be talking about Brentford for a while, uh, but, but I do, I am going to talk about the team that you just mentioned in 17th place, just surviving relegation. And it is Leeds United. I wow. want to I want to make something clear. If Leeds United survive, that is a success from Jesse Marsh. This team on paper should not be surviving. They have lost their two best players by a large margin in Rafinha and Calvin Phillips. And to replace them is two Americans. That's why I'm backing them to stay up because I like 
Brendan Aronson. I think he's going to have a fantastic breakout season in the Premier League for Leeds. And I think while Adams is not Calvin Phillips, he will be able to do the defensive work, maybe not so much the ball progression work that Calvin Phillips does or, or did. But I think that, that those two, Aronson especially, and Sinistera I like. I think Bamford, if he can return back and fit, hopefully that will be a, a big addition as opposed to last season for Leeds. I think they will just survive USMNTFC. We can do it. Stay up. But again, if they stay up, that is a success. 17th is a success. And I'm predicting that. Yeah, I don't have Leeds in 17th. Uh, I have Nottingham Forest. I think they will barely survive. I think it's going to come down maybe even to the last day between them and Brentford. Um, just because, you know, I, 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 I... They've made some good signings for sure, but this is like a whole new team almost. Uh, it's going to take some time for it to mesh, I think. I, I really don't foresee Jesse Lingard getting back to the form he was in at West Ham, which honestly I think they're going to need if they want to be comfortably clear of the relegation zone. I, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, Dean Henderson's a good signing. Niakate from Mainz it's a good signing, but I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a long season for them, but... I think the city ground and those fantastic fans will get them over the line in the end. So you're saying that your bottom four are the three promoted teams and the only promoted team that survived last season. Yep. Wow. No faith. No faith. The difference between the Premier League and the Championship I have faith is in Forest. I have huh? faith in the city ground. I have faith in the city ground. All right. All right. All right. I could have easily put Forrest to go back down. I mean, I've seen plenty of people saying all three promoted will go back down. And it's not like that doesn't happen, Justin. That is something that happens. You know, I think it happened just a few years ago when when Bournemouth went last went yeah. down, right? Went down with Fulham and with Watford. So, yeah, absolutely. So 16th, Garrett, who do you have? I have the team that you are saying are going to go down, which is Southampton. And when I did a first draft of this, um, well, not first draft, but when I was first thinking about this, you know, weeks and weeks ago, I was really tipping Southampton to go down as well. And I tipped them to go down last year too. Um, but from what I've seen in, in preseason, obviously you can't take too much out of that, but I, I think Joe Aribo is actually going to be kind of a breakout player in, in the Premier League this year. I think he's been really great for them thus far. Um, as you said, Gavin Bizzuno, I think, is a significant upgrade on what they had in Fraser Forrester, who's now Spurs' backup. And then, you know, Romeo Lavia might take him a little while to settle in. But I still look at that Southampton squad, and they've had less quality than this and stayed up multiple times at this point. So I, I think they're going to be okay. Obviously, 16th is not very comfortable. I think they're going to be sweating it till the end of the year. But ultimately, I think they will have enough with the Alpine Klopp to stay in the league. We'll see about that one for sure. I'm excited. Uh, I hope you're right because I do want those city kids to stay in the league, but we'll see. I have a team that I had in 12th place earlier today, but instead I have to drop them all the way to 16th because not only did they lose their best player in Basuma, but now they've lost their second best player in Marco Correa, or they're about to lose him to Chelsea uh, granted, they're going to get a large amount of money to replace him, but they got that with Ben White and didn't really spend it in, in, on a replacement. So we will see, but it has to be Brighton and Hove Albion for me in 16th place. Um, you know, Undav is just such a big, big question mark. I don't think that they're going to, you know, fall enough to be relegated because 
Potter, I still think is a, is a good manager, but maybe slightly overrated by some, some football hipsters, but yeah, they, they kind of just, I, I, like I said, I wanted to put them 12th. If they still had Kukorea, I would have put them 12th, but without him, I just, I mean, I don't even, they don't even have a left back, right? They don't even have a backup for him. I don't know where the goals come from without him. There's not so much going forward. Lamptey can provide a little bit, but it becomes too problematic without Kugaraya and Basuma in your midfield and 16th it is for you, Brian and Alvobian. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I knocked Brighton down because of that as well. And I'll get to them in a bit, but that shows that I had them even higher than you did originally. Uh, Justin 15th. Who have you got? You're not going to like it. Everton. <sighs> Look, Signing a bunch of Burnley players is just asking to go down. So they, they could be lower, but I actually like the signings, especially Tarkovsky. I think he's a big signing for Everton to have a true rock solid center back that can distribute the ball as well. Um, but I don't think that the squad necessarily fits what Lampard is trying to do. We saw at, la- at the end of last season that Lampard, uh, you know, had a little bit more of a defensive style. He changed so that he could get the points to stay uh, in the league, but he's not going to go into the new season with that same idea. He's implementing Lampard tactics, which are attacking, you know, open, open-minded uh, ideas that he's trying to create a bunch of chances and be a dominant team, but that's not going to work out with the players that he has. When you lose your best player in Richarlison and you replace him with Dwight McNeil, it's, it's just such a large downgrade there, um, especially as far as, you know, goal production. And to me, key goal production, the amount of key goals that Richarlison scores to win points for Everton uh, is as much as anybody in the league to me. So I think it's just a huge loss. I'm assuming they get a Dresagana Gay in the door, which is definitely going to be helpful. It's the reason that I have them in 15th but I would have them lower if they couldn't, but I don't think they have the creativity. I don't think Delhi can be that guy and giving Dwight McNeil the seven shows to me that you're not going to go get a real Richarlison replacement, that he is your Richarlison replacement. So in order to put them higher than 15th, I would have needed to see a a real replacement for him and DCL uh, as well. I just think you're over Everton are over-reliant on DCL in this season. So if he, you know, can't perform if he can't stay fit and perform. Everton could be in a serious relegation battle. Well, I'll address all that very soon. Uh, <laughs> in fifteenth, Justin, I have leads. I think they'll be a bit more comfortable th- than you think they will, and maybe that's me backing Jesse Marsh. And honestly, I'm shocked that I have leads ahead, I was just gonna say the further up the table than you do <laughs> because you're you're a big lead stand at the moment. Um, I don't know. I just think. Bamford is huge. It's huge. And yeah, they lost Calvin Phillips, but the fact that they got Adams and Roca in, I mean, it's a brand new midfield, young, vibrant. I think it suits what Jesse, what Jesse March wants to do where, you know, the team that he did have, I'm not sure quite as much just because they were so used to murder ball and, and Bielsa and mm. just, man, it, it wasn't working. Um, but, you know, I think Leeds will be fine. I think Sinistera is a really good signing as well, as you said, um, their backline needs strengthening. If they don't bring in another defender before the end of the window, obviously we still have a month of the window and that's, you know, take all these predictions with a grain of salt because of that, Justin, right? Cause everyone's probably mm-hmm. going to bring in a couple more players. At least I really think they need to bring in probably a, a new starting quality center back. Cause I just don't think cook yeah. and, and Llorente are that good. I really don't. 
Um, so if they can do that, you know, I think they'll be fine. But my segue can be into 14th, Justin, because that's where I've put Everton. Um, and I had us lower, to be honest. I had us at 16th. But I think the gay signing is going to be a big deal because our midfield in my opinion, was the worst area of our team last year and was a huge part of why we were in the position that we were in. We could not keep the ball. Um, you know, we had players who could who could tackle and, and put in hard yards, but Idrissa Gay is one of the, you know, most ridiculously productive defensive midfielders in the world even still at this point. And, and the stats back that up. And this is a guy who, you know, started both legs of PSG's Champions League tie against Real Madrid. And, you know, he's 33, but I still think he has got, a good amount left in the tank. And I think he immediately, you know, walks into our 11, if I'm being honest. And yes, I agree. Dwight McNeil cannot replace the goal scoring of Richarlison, but that's not his job because the biggest problem last year in attack, you know, Richarlison scored three more goals than he did the year before, but it was that DCL scored 11 less. And, you know, obviously fitness was a big part of that. But even when he came back, he wasn't scoring because he had no service, Justin. He had no service. Our most creative players in 2020-21, which is when DCL scored 16 goals, James, Digne, Sigurdsson. We had none of them last year, right? He had nothing. He was feeding off scraps. Dwight McNeil is one of the best crossers in the Premier League. And I think he can whip balls in. DCL, as we know, is one of the most airily imposing strikers in the world. I think he's going to be a nightmare to mark. He seems fully fit, ready to go. Unlike the beginning of last year where he was coming into the season, playing through a broken toe when he scored three goals in the first three games, he was playing through a broken toe and then tore his quad. And, and that's what kept him out for a long time. But I think DCL is going to be back with a vengeance. I think him and Dwight McNeil are going to have great link up. And I think overall, the depth of the squad is way better. And that's not even talking about Tarkovsky, who I agree. I think he's immediately our best center back. He's been incredible in preseason um, the range of passing is going to be much better. And I also don't fully agree with you, Justin, that we're going to go gung-ho, super attacking football. I mean, we're playing five at the back, essentially. I think Lampard is going for a compromise between the pragmatism he had to resort to last year and the free-flowing attacking football that he wants to play. It's somewhere in the middle, and I think Everton will be fine. So you're putting Everton in 14th with the assumption that DCL and McNeil and Tarkovsky all do really well is what I'm hearing. So if they don't, right, if DCL can't stay fit, if McNeil can't come and make that contribution, are you worried about a relegation battle? Um, I just look at the squad from top to bottom and, and I just don't think it's a relegation team. I just don't. Obviously injuries are a huge factor and that's, you know, honestly, one of the main reasons probably top, two or three reasons that we were in the position we were in last year, but the squad is, is very fit at the moment. It's a lot deeper than it was last year as well. And we have some exciting youngsters coming up. So, you know, there's always a possibility, but there's been people who are saying we're right in the middle of the relegation race. And I don't really agree with that. I think we will be mid table. Um, and I think it, it won't be anywhere near as close as it was last year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would have had them in that relegation battle. Uh, I have them slightly above it because of that gay signing, as you mentioned. Um, and it's, it won't be the last signing either, but you know, that's, that's the case. Well, that's, for part of the reason, that's part of the reason I have them in 15th and not higher or lower because gay, they would have been lower if not for gay, but they would have been higher if I believed that they were going to make any more serious signings, but I don't believe that. Um, so 
yeah, obviously, as you mentioned, it's, it's more difficult with a month left to go in the transfer window to predict these things. All right, Justin. So who do you have in 14th? I have Nottingham Forest. Whoa. All the way up. Well, I hadn't talked about them yet. I mean, they yeah, I, I just, them. I just remembered that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, here's the reason Garrett. First of all, We've seen a newly promoted team do well for the past three years. First, it was Sheffield, then it was Leeds, then last season it was Brentford, right? So each season we see one that is succeeding and doing exceeding expectations, doing better than we would have expected. And I think this season it will be Nottingham Forest because they, unlike Bournemouth, who have spent zero dollars, Nottingham Forest has been spending a ton and have a net spend of almost 100 million this summer. So they have brought in 12 incomings, including nine of them being uh, with transfer fees. So they are dropping the cash. I think, you know, they, they brought in Richie Larea, who I think is, you know, I mean, he's not fantastic, but he's a good player. And he's the third best right back they brought in this summer, right? They have been bringing in a ton of players. So even if half of those hit, uh, I think that they will have a good season and, uh, obviously it's a big pick, but I totally see it. I think I disagree with what you're saying about Lingard. I think he will do very, very well. I think uh, he fits exactly into a counterattacking style of play where he's the focus. That is exactly how he succeeded at West Ham is that specific situation. And it will be the same in Nottingham Forest. So I think he will do really, really well. And I think obviously Dean Henderson as a replacement to your biggest loss in Bree Samba, you're, you're upgrading on your biggest loss, right? That is impressive to me for a, a promoted side. I expect them to have a good season and 14th for them. Yeah, I'm not having Forrest finishing above Everton. I disagree with that heavily. <laughs> but who do you have in 13th? 13th place, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, look, I just don't get – I'm not moved by Wolverhampton. They were so bad at the end of last season. The, the dreadful football that I had to watch when I watched a, a Wolves game at the yep. end of last season, it, it was just not fun to watch. Honestly, I wanted to put them below 13th. I think that if they finish – they're either going to finish below 13th. They're not going to finish above is my point, right? So I the only reason that they're not below – the 13th is just because I think their squad on paper is pretty darn good. Um, Nathan Collins, I mean, an okay addition in the, in the back line. They, they already have some solid defenders. So it's just solidifying uh, that center back position as, you know, they shipped off Saiz and whatever. But I think, yeah, just 13th. I, I honestly, they, they should finish lower. I just don't see anything. Bruno Lodge he could get sacked this season for sure. It's not that he's a bad manager. It's just that it's not working anymore. It's getting stale. And if you're not going to get results where you're playing that boring brand of football, you're going to get sacked. Yeah, Justin, I also have Wolves in 13th. And I also think they could finish lower. And it's part of why I'm not that worried about Everton because I look at some of these teams. I'm like, well, I think you know, our business has been better than theirs. Wolves have done nothing. Like, yeah, Nathan Collins is is fine, but he's just filling in gaps that that they you know, released, if you will. They also lost Keanu Hoover. I mean, the fact that they held on to Ruben Neves is a win, I guess, but I totally agree. Mm -hmm. This is a club that's stagnating. They had so much momentum when they first came up and all these exciting players, and it's just kind of dead and they're boring and they're not fun to watch. Um, I, I honestly hope they finish lower than 13th. I Me really too. do, but, Me too. but that's, that's where I've stuck them for now as well. 
Yeah, if I was if I had a little bit more risk in me, I would have put them like 16th or something. Yeah. I I mean, I'm just looking at their outgoings is crazy. There's so many. And then Fabio Silva to Anderlecht, that signing has been a bust. Obviously still young, but he's shown nothing to convince us. They were so overly reliant on Jose Saw last season and how incredible he was. Um, And, you know, he's, I don't even know if he's fit right now. And he's, and even if he is, he's not going to perform anywhere near what he did last season. It's just not possible. We saw the drop up with Emmy Martinez in a similar way. So yeah, I below 13th, the more I think about it, but 13th, because that's just where they fell. And then in 12th, Justin, I've gone for Brighton. You obviously knocked them all the way down to, was it 16th because Mm -hmm. of the apparently imminent loss of Cucurella. I actually had them finishing ninth again before that news came out today. I definitely think it'll be a blow. Um, They're getting a lot of money for him, Justin. They're going to replace him. I still feel like they'll they'll bring in another couple players and and you might say hipsters overrate him too much but i think grand potter is a fantastic manager um i think you know brighton have been consistently very mid-table <laughs> but they've been consistently safe they haven't really been mm. near the drop zone much since potter took over right i think when chris Hutton was in charge was the last time when they finished like 17th just barely escaping I think they're going to be fine. Obviously, the Basuma loss is, is big as well, but I think Enoch Mwepu is a fantastic player. And I also think Moises Caicedo will get more minutes because of Basuma leaving. And I think he's a really, really exciting prospect as well. Brighton have done a lot of really good recruitment of young players. I bet you they'll do it again with Cucurella, just like they did last summer. You know, Cucurella was just some guy at Hitafe. We didn't know he was going to be this good. And they'll probably pull a rabbit out of the hat again. I, I don't doubt it. I think um brighton are a very well-run club and so i have them comfortably finishing mid-table in 12th yeah just similarly uh to who who was it uh forest or somebody well i can't remember somebody we put uh lower than we would have expected higher than we would have expected with uh with brighton we just both moved them down a little bit oh i think it was everton everton yeah uh with with gay we put them we both put them a little bit higher than we did previously it was just i had them lower originally same with brighton you just had them higher originally we both moved them down a little bit though i had them in 12th the team i currently have in 12th though brentford you think uh second season syndrome they're going down i have them all the way mid table in 12th place and to me i look second season syndrome does worry me for sure that's the biggest worry uh with my putting them in 12th but i think that the impact of Erickson was maybe a little bit overrated. He was very good and changed their midfield, but he only had five goal contributions in his 11 games, right? He wasn't everything creating as, as a creator. And I think Keen Lewis Potter will produce at least that many goal contributions. I think he's a, a good pickup. Um, does he replace Erickson? Not quite, but I think, as you said, Brentford or, or Brighton are extremely well-run club. So are Brentford. Their recruiting is top-notch. Uh, and yeah, they were, you know, in some trouble before Erickson got there, but it wasn't that they deserve to be in that trouble because they finished seventh on expected points last season. Seventh place, which is, this is why I'm putting them uh, 12th because that wasn't a, a fluke that they got there. In fact, they should have finished much higher than they did last season. And adding Ben Mee, this means that you now have uh, a Premier League proven experience to center back to lead your defense. Uh, there's no issues with Raya as your goalkeeper. Strakosha is the backup. Some people think he's even going to start. That's how good he is. So 
I just think there's there's so many positives to see about Brentford, uh, and there's only one negative in Ericsson, uh, or, or maybe, you know, second season syndrome as well. But I've backed Brentford. I backed them last season. It worked out well. I'm backing them again. 12th place. Yeah, I can't believe you've put them higher than they were when they lost their best player. And you're right. He only had five goal contributions, but Justin, he only played 11 games. And in those 11 said, games... Five and 11. Yeah, okay. So you say Keen Lewis Potter will get as many goal contributions. Well, of course he will. He's going to play an entire season. But the fact of the matter is that Brentford were in trouble until those 11 games. And that's when they distanced themselves. And yeah, I expected points this or that they, they whatever, underperformed but... they underperformed their xg and they overperformed their xg against that means they should have scored more goals than they did and they let in more goals than they should have that means I, are... I just don't i i just think they got worse so you know they might be a team like brighton for example who do not conform to the me- to that metric right brighton their expected goals is always you know in the stratosphere and they never score it and i think brentford have a lot of frailties and but... Uh, you know, um, I, Brentford recruit yeah. based on that statistic, though. That is that's how Brentford got to the Premier League is recruiting. That's how they brought in Mbuemo, Tony, uh, all these players, Ollie Watkins, for example, the, all these players that they uh, have succeeded with. That statistic is how they do it. Then how come they were one of the, the biggest underperformers in the entire league then? Well, that's that's what I'm saying. They still and they still finished 13th. Right. So they should have finished higher and they are going to finish higher than 13th, 12th, as I'm predicting this season, because they're that doesn't that's not going to keep up like like it has with Brighton every single season. It doesn't in the past with Brentford the season prior. It didn't happen. And that's why they got promoted to the Premier League. And then moving on, Justin, we can go to. 11th uh i have aston villa here justin um i think they've made some good signings i think diego carlos and camara will improve their back line which was a bit of a problem i i just think there are teams above them that are still better um i'm not entirely convinced by steven jared i'm really not um so i think villa will be all right they'll they'll be fine um but they're not going to be cracking on into Europe or anything like that. They'll be better than last year, right? They, they ended up finishing only what, what was it? Six points ahead of Everton. Like they were very not good last year. And I think they will be a bit better up to 11th, but no higher than that for me. I think there's a very high likelihood that we just have our 10th and 11th switched because my 10th is Aston Villa. Um, I think, you know, Diego Carlos, especially Bubakar Kamara in that midfield, putting him next to Douglas Luiz, it's just defensively, that's much more solid. Um, Buendia, Ings, and Bailey, I mean, th- that $100 million that they spent basically did nothing last year. That will improve this season. Um, I think Villa, you know, could even finish top higher than, higher than that um, because, I mean, Coutinho is there to provide the special moments and I actually do back Gerard unlike you I think he is a better manager than the team that I put in 11th place which is Crystal Palace and that's why I put them ahead of Crystal Palace is I think Gerard is better than Vieira um I think uh, similarly they added a good defensive mid in Sheikh the uh and I obviously rate Chris Richards I think that's a, a big signing and they're going to be they were already a very def- solid defensive team they are going to continue to be a very solid defensive team and only improve in that respect so uh, a sh- shock top half finish for crystal palace is for sure possible it's not out of the cards at all um speaking of expected points they were sixth on expected points last season so again they are they, they did very well under Vieira. um 
and I expect them to do well again. I think if anything, they finish higher than 11th, not below. Um, but am I right, Gary? Do you have them switch? Do you have Palace in 10th or not? I do not have Palace in 10th. No, I have Leicester in 10th, Justin. Mm. I have Leicester in 10th. I think, well, firstly, they are the only team in like the top seven leagues not That's to have signed a dollars. single player. They have, they have n- not even like a free transfer. They've got nobody, um, which means they are entirely reliant on players who were injured last year or out of form to return to that form. And their squad is still definitely good enough to finish in the top half, but barely Justin Vardy is only getting older. Um, I think Madison is just going to carry this team again, if I'm being honest, but this team needed reinforcements. It was getting almost toxic with Brennan Rogers towards the end of the year. They, they finished with three wins out of four and that made them finish eighth and, and it made the season look a lot better than it was. Cause for the vast majority of this, of the year, Justin Lesser were awful. They were really not good. And, and I think that's going to come back to the surface. I don't think they'll get the cushioning at the end to push them up into eighth. I think they finished 10th. I can't wait to see where you have Palace. I love it. I, I I agree with everything you said about Leicester. I'm 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 just mad at them that there's they have absolutely no ambition. They deserve <laughs> to fall on the table. They're they're not even trying to bring in anybody. They're not trying to improve the squad. Uh, I the only reason that they are ahead of Aston Villa to me is because on paper that team is so much better. Um, yeah. I don't rate same. Like that's the only reason I have them in ninth place ahead of Villa. Um, Ooh, okay. So, yeah, and I don't rate a Brendan Rodgers at Leicester. Yes, he won an FA Cup, but I just don't get the hype. I think he's past it. He will get sacked this season. It will happen. Um, it's There's just no way that Leicester finish above ninth. As I, they're, if they finish anywhere, it's lower than ninth, as opposed to Palace, uh, who will do better than 11th, if anything. Yep, so I, I, agree with what, yeah. I agree with what you're saying. I like your I, – I also think it makes sense because, like, 12th and below we know and then like these three are kind of in their own thing and then maybe the top eight but i'm i'm curious to see where you're going to put palace we'll see well justin moving on to ninth i still don't have palace it's newcastle oh so i have a club you know with a lot of ambition obviously jumping over lester i think eddie howe uh, is a fantastic manager. And as I said on the podcast a few months ago, he was my manager of the season. Cause I thought he was that fantastic when he took over Newcastle and just completely turned their season around. It was insane how much better they got when Eddie Howe came in. And obviously a few signings were helpful for that, but it's, it's not like they spent an insane amount of money. You know, the, the mm-hmm. signings they made Dan Byrne, Matt target, you know, obviously Bruno Gimarish helps. He didn't even play that many games, Um, It was more that Eddie Howe turned the players that he had into three times better than what they were. Joel and Tanette center mid, for example, who would have thought this was a 50 million pound absolute flop striker. Newcastle fans hated him. Eddie Howe figures out to put him center mid and he was fantastic. So I think Newcastle will continue their progress, especially with the signings of Sven Botman at the back, as well as I think Nick Pope underrated signing a fantastic upgrade at goalkeeper uh, for them as well. So I have Newcastle in ninth. Everything I heard from you was positive yet only ninth. Right. I mean, I, I haven't said Newcastle yet. Have I? That's interesting. I I just quickly say, I just think, well, they haven't brought in a big attacker, which I think they need and and they might still, and that, you know, could maybe push them up 
a spot. I, I don't think they'll go much higher than eighth yet. Um, I just think there's still some gaps in the squad. I think they need uh, uh, another winger to complement St. Maxman. I, I think Almiron's had a really good preseason, but you know, still just not quite to be pushing Europe. He's not quite at that level, in my opinion. And I think they need a, a big name attacker or creative player or something like that to kind of push them into the European conversation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could see them finishing eighth, but I, yeah, I don't think they'll challenge for Europe. So do, who do you have an eighth? I have Palace in eighth. I have Palace in eighth. Um, I've been really impressed with their business. I also think that their squad is so young that it's only getting better. Um, and a lot of people were writing off Vieira last season and, you know, they did only finish 12th, but with the development of Eberichi Eze, who was also injured for a, a large part of last season, which I think contributed mm-hmm. to that as well with that, as well as, um, Elise, obviously they've kept Zaha for another year. I think, as you said, the check to Corey signing is fantastic. They've brought in Chris Richards. I think Gahey is another player who's only getting better. He's already fantastic. I, I think it's honestly, Chelsea should not have sold him last summer because at this point with their rebuilding back line, I think he would hundred percent play a large amount of games for Chelsea this year because he was so, so, so good. And just in their back line, you think about Chris Richards, they're adding Chris Richards to a back line which only conceded one expected goal per game last season. That's the same amount as Liverpool. They were fantastic wow. at the back. Obviously, Vieira is their manager. Uh, he was a defensive mid. He knows how to organize a back line, right? Um, so I think Palace, this is a bit of a of a punt for me. I think Palace will be the overperformers of the season. They will be challenging for Europe, but they won't quite get it. I I absolutely love it. I love it. It's everything. I agree with everything you said. I just Quite, didn't quite have the balls to put them in the top half, but I, as I said, totally in the cards. I love it. Um, my pick for eighth, uh, which you know, you I would guess you have in seventh, West Ham. I think, and and don't get mad at me, West Ham fans, but hear me out, right? I think <laughs> that because I because I do think that you're going to make Europe next season, and I don't think it's even going to be the Conference League. You're going to make the Europa League next season because you're going to win the conference league, but that's going to be point. such, that's going to be such a focus that you're going to be distracted. Skamaka is going to be mainly dealing with the conference league, hopefully. And that will be huge for you in the, in the conference league. He's, he's going to smash it there, but don't play him every week next to Antonio in, in the Premier league, because then maybe you don't win the conference league and maybe you don't make Europe at all, but you can definitely go in the conference league and you'll be in Europe but it will distract you slightly from the Premier League, and that's why you'll fall up from seventh to eighth. Yeah, I've put them in seventh. Um, I still think that they're a level above the teams around them, but they're also a level below the teams above them, if that makes sense. And I think the Skamaka signing adds to that. I totally get what you're saying. They could underperform uh, because of European football, but Justin, they got to the Europa League semis last year and and they still finished in seventh. And I predicted them to do the exact same thing as you are last year. Last year, I said that they would drop to 10th because of their Europa League campaign, and they didn't. They were able to manage both of those competitions perfectly fine, and now they have even more depth. So I don't see a reason that they won't do it again. I think they'll stay where they are in seventh spot. The reason that I think that they will not do it this season is because there is a team that I'm putting in seventh place that you said is getting no higher than ninth, I believe. 
Newcastle eighth. no higher United. than eighth no higher than eighth well they are getting into Europe and they are getting that seventh spot it is Newcastle wow. United and the reason that West Ham didn't have a Newcastle United that are pushing them for Europe like they did last season so that's why they could they could do it, it despite Europa League this season it won't happen Newcastle United all they care about is Europe all they care about is that seventh spot they that will be their entire focus they will not care about any other competition. They don't have Europe, obviously. They are focused on getting that seventh spot. As you mentioned, they've been fantastic under Eddie Howe. It's been a different team. They solidified that defense. They got Nick Pope, fantastic goalkeeper. They got target at left back. They got Botman in the middle. They are going to be much more solid defensively, as you said. And as you also mentioned, they haven't spent a ton yet. And what do they need to get into that Europe? They need an attacker. They need one or two big name signings. If that doesn't happen in the summer, which I think it very well could, it will for sure happen in January. They are not going to just not spend and and be acceptable with finishing eighth or ninth when they have a chance at Europe. This is what Newcastle United want. Getting into Europe will bring huge draw for them the next year and will help them. And I think it's funny I'm saying this because, you know, when we first talked about the takeover, we said, well, it'll take them, you know, longer than you know, City or Chelsea did to, to reach the top. But I'm predicting them already to get into Europe now because I just think there's no way they're not going to spend on some big attackers. And that's exactly what they are missing. And that's exactly what will push them into seventh spot into Europe. Yeah, well, I still think it will take them longer, Justin, because they've looked at the mistakes of clubs such as Everton, and I think they will take their time. They're not going to be impatient. They're not going to break the bank and put themselves in trouble with profit and sustainability and FFP, et cetera, et cetera. So although I do think they will add an attacker, I don't think they're going to absolutely shell out, um, especially not in January, to be honest. I think the only reason they did that last year was because they were going to get relegated if they didn't. So I think Newcastle's regime knows what they're doing. I think they'll have a bit of patience. And so although I agree they will prioritize the league, I just don't think they're going to get into Europe quite yet. But next season, I think they'll go guns blazing once they're securing the league. Maybe they get a better sponsorship deal and increase their profits so that they can spend more of the money that they have. Um, but for now, I, I think they'll be content to progress a little further up the table and continue with the project and not try to rush it like Everton did, if that makes sense. Because I can tell you, Justin, I know firsthand the the pain that comes when you waste a whole bunch of money in the search of Europe. Well, yeah, I don't think Newcastle or Everton, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> but we can move to the top six with that, right? Yep. Who's your sixth place, Garrett? Let me hear it. All right, Justin. I think they'll be better than last year for sure. I think they have a clear identity now. I think um, their manager will develop the talent that they have, but I don't see them changing position. I think United stay in sixth. Um, I just think the gap between them and the other teams competing for the top four is still substantial enough that they, they won't be able to move their position. Although I think they'll definitely be taking steps in the right direction. So although, you know, the position stays the same, I do think United will be a lot better than they were last year. I don't think they will be such a dumpster fire, but you know, they finished 11th point, 11 points off fifth place arsenal. I don't think they make all that back, especially considering how the teams above them have strengthened because all of them have strengthened significantly in this window. Meanwhile, United's biggest strengthening has been in their manager. So they'll make up a bit of ground, but not enough United in sixth. You ready for this? 
Oh, no. Chelsea Football Club, sixth place. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Wow. I don't even know what Chelsea are doing under Todd Bowley. I can't figure it out. I don't know what formation they're going to play. I don't know who their number nine is. I don't know what their defense looks like. They've just spent, they're about to spend 50 million on Kukurea, as we mentioned. I don't understand why. You just, does Tuchel just not trust Chilwell, who you just spent more than that on a, few, a couple of years ago? I understand he's coming back from an ACL, but he needs to, you're going to play Kukurea at left center back. That's not worth spending 50 million on. I don't know what the ideas are here. Um, Bully's getting distracted with Ronaldo and Neymar instead of trying to build a team that can actually compete. This team simply has no identity. Whereas Manchester United, who I bumped up to fifth place, have an identity. I know what they're going to do. It's, 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 the question is simply, how well will Ten Hag do? In my opinion, he'll do very well. In preseason, we have already seen that his teams are understanding his tactics. It, does, it doesn't seem like it's taking them a ton of time to learn what he's trying to teach which uh, I know preseason is only means so much, but it does mean that we can see the tactics are changing. And the, I don't know how big the impact of Lissandra Martinez will be. I think that's a huge question mark. Um, but I think Erickson and Bruno feeding balls to Ronaldo is he's going to bang in goals. I think Ronaldo, obviously the situation around him is just chaos right now, but to me, he is staying, he's not going anywhere and he will be in a Manchester United shirt playing this season. Uh, and with those two uh, creative midfielders behind him, as well as I think Sancho will have a resurgence. Uh, he, he had a poor first season, but he's a fantastic player. I think Rashford will also have a resurgence. So with all of that coming to fruition, Manchester United bump above Chelsea because I, I don't even know what Chelsea are doing. I think obviously the biggest problem with Manchester United is still that defense and that sixth spot. Yeah, I mean, I have similar thoughts to you, Justin. I'm also questioning Chelsea, and it's why I've put them in fifth. I also think they will drop out of the top four um, just wow. because it does seem like a bit of a mess. I think Tuchel's time is might be running low. I think he might be on the hot seat um, at least at some point during the season. But at the end of the day, the, the signing of Raheem Sterling, and although they've had turnover at the back line, I still think the squad isn't much worse. It, I feel like it's at the same kind of level. They have the same manager. So although I think they'll drop off, I don't think they're going to drop all the way down to sixth. Um, you know, they, this is a team that finished, what, 16 points, um, or, or not even that, 26 points ahead of United last year. So, no, no it is 16, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, I, I just think they'll drop off. I think they'll drop to fifth. I still think they'll they'll finish above United, but it's going to be chaos. And it, and it will definitely be a tale of a club regressing in Chelsea and a club progressing in United. I just don't think they'll overlap quite yet, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think it, all of this is condensing in the top six for me, right? Everything is just getting closer and closer because some some te- the better teams are falling, the, the worst teams are getting even better. And I think we both have the same team, I assume, in fourth place and third place for that matter. Um, maybe even the whole top four. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm scared to see. Arsenal fourth place, um, right? And I think that is backing Arsenal. That is backing Arteta. Uh, it's similar to what I said with uh, Manchester United, except more intense. I know exactly what they're doing. They have a clear idea of what Arsenal want to be this season. Jesus will bang in the goals. Vieira and Odegaard are there for the creativity. I think Zinchenko is the type of player 
that helps you compete in the league that makes you able to do that because he is uh, so versatile and so constantly fit that he will be able to fill in for Tierney. If Tierney get in, gets injured, he can sit next to Partey in the midfield. He can play an eight. He can play a six. He can play so many different positions um, and is so versatile and so consistent in everything that he does. A massive, massive piece to that puzzle for me. Saliba coming back is basically a new signing at center back. Um, I, if they could sign, you know, one big, uh, winger or something like that, one more big signing, I would be super confident in them for sure getting that fourth spot because I don't know what Chelsea are going to do the rest of the, the transfer window. And that's my issue in why I'm putting them sixth is because I don't know what their idea is. So I don't know who they're going to sign. But let's say Chelsea do spend a bunch of money. Sure, they can hop back into that top four if uh, you know Arsenal don't get that one more big signing. Yeah, I have the exact same thought process as you. I also have Arsenal in fourth. Um, I don't think they need a winger. I, I really don't because uh, uh, Fabio Vieira can play at winger and he has been at preseason at times. I think they need another center mid to sit next to Partey. I don't think Xhaka is good enough to to jump any of the other teams at, or at least, you know, I don't think Xhaka is good enough to to jump Tottenham, um, who I've put in third. And I can just go ahead and say that now. Um, yeah, I think Arsenal do have an identity. I think they have a really good young squad. I think that's their only weakness. If they bring in like a Tielemans or like a Ruben Neves, oh man, they are going to be in great shape. And then I would consider them jumping Tottenham. Mm. Um, I also think Zinchenko is going to have to play left back a, a pretty good amount of the season. I think ideally he would he would be the player as of now to sit next to party, but Tierney's just never fit. He's not fit right now. And so Zinchenko is going to play left back. Um, so yeah, I agree. I have Arsenal in fourth um, and, and then Spurs in third. You know, they have a world-class manager in Antonio Conte. They managed to reel it back and and from, you know, a position, you know, they were like ninth when Conte took over and they managed to reel Arsenal all the way in. Um, obviously, took a bit of Arsenal bottle job for that to happen, but they got up into fourth. Now they've improved the squad. They've brought in Richarlison for depth for Champions League football. Yves Basuma is a fantastic signing. Jed Spence at right back. They needed another player there. I, I still think they're one center back away. I think Christian Romero is fantastic. Um, but, you know, Dyer and Davies are not on his level. Um, if they could bring in another really quality center back, I don't think that's Clement Longley personally. If they could bring in another quality center back, I don't know if it's this window, but they'll really be in business going forward, assuming Antonio Conte stays because, you know, we know that he likes to walk out the door for no reason sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tottenham in third for me. I, I think they're going to have a really good year. As I said, I have Tottenham as well. I knew it would be the same because I'm very confident in this pick. Um uh, to get it spot on really because they have the third best manager. They have the third best team on paper. They fit in third place. It, it, it just goes perfectly. I mean, I don't think that Arsenal United or Chelsea, I think that those three can fight amongst themselves. I don't think any of them are good enough to be better than Tottenham this season. Uh, I Tottenham have the best front three in the league. Obviously you mentioned Basuma Richie, I think provides a similar idea that uh, Zinchenko does for Arsenal if there's any injuries, if there's any rotation needed in that front three, Richarlison fits in seamlessly in any of the top three positions. And he's still a very quality player, obviously. Uh, so it's not going to be, you know, a big drop off. So I think just it fits well, but I don't think that they improved enough to close that 18 point gap um, between second and third that is there last season. So 
it's still Manchester City and Liverpool in that front in those first two spots. Everyone will still have those debates on who wins the, the title. And uh, for me, I can say Manchester City are going to win the Premier League once again for the third year in a row. Um, to me, they are the best team on paper. They have the best manager of all time. I do believe that both Manchester City and Liverpool will have a drop-off. I believe that 18-point gap will close significantly to the point at least cut in half, if not more. I think it Spurs will be you know close throughout the season, but it will still be City and Liverpool. I think, you know, it'll, as I was mentioning earlier, it's going to be a more competitive league. In my opinion, I think 90 points will for sure win you the league this season. Um, I'm not sure anybody will even get there, but Holland with KDB is just going to rip up the league city depth is an issue. And I think we still need a center, a left back. Um, preferably I would get a winger as well. I just don't see that happening, but if, if city don't get a left back, then an injury could make them lose the league immediately. So that is certainly a worry. Sign a left back, and I'll be more, much more confident. But it is Pep Guardiola. It is Manchester City with Erling Holland, KDB, and everybody else around them. I don't think uh, City lose the league. Grealish will be better this season as well. Liverpool will also drop off, as I mentioned. Just not quite as good as City, but it will be those two once again. And that means, Justin, we have the exact same top four because I also wow. have City winning the league and I have Liverpool in second. And here's a fun fact. The only other time we've had the same top four, Justin, was the first time we did these predictions in 2019-20. We got every single one of those predictions wrong. All four were wrong, which is interesting. Um, it's pretty similar to what we predicted this season as well. Yeah, it, it is. Just it's Manchester just City Arsenal and Liverpool and, flipped. Uh, and well, no, in 2019-20. In in 2019-20, oh, you're right. In 2019-20, we predicted this exact same top four, actually. It's literally right. the exact same. You're right. It's and just yeah, Liverpool yeah. won the was, title that year. Yeah, it's just Liverpool won the title. You're right. We City came second. Same... Wow, that's interesting. Or, or did United come second? I think United might have come second that oh, year, right? Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, yeah. Either way, no, that's no, crazy. No, 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 no. That was, that, was, that was the season City won the next season when, when Liverpool fell oh, off. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Oh, right, right, okay. When they they managed to get third because Allison scored a header. Right. right. Um, either way, that's crazy. We predicted the exact same top four as 2019-20, and both of us predicted that. Uh, hopefully, we don't get all of them wrong this time, especially because <laughs> I don't want Liverpool winning the title, and neither do you, so. Hey, maybe Spurs can do it. <laughs> right as as you said i don't think they've strengthened enough i still think the back line isn't good enough as much as yeah you know parasitch is is a good signing um and but hopefully Jets next is a season good signing not this season maybe, but hopefully 23 24 we could have a three-way race for, for it maybe they, they're gonna need some significant significant strengthening and they also don't have the depth that city and liverpool do and, and mm. so not only do city and liverpool have a better starting 11 they also have more depth significantly in my opinion um even though i think spurs's midfield three is really good the depth is oliver skip and harry winks and that you know is not title quality liverpool's is it, so. depth is is by far the best though right like city's depth is not what it was last concerningly season. good it's concerningly good right like the city city's depth has dropped and if anything liverpool's depth has increased i mean they they lost Mane to D, to nunez so they're starting 11 dropped off a little bit but their depth i mean carvalho and now you you know jota's on the bench with diaz as a starter and all the and firmino's on the bench with nunez like that depth is scary 
Harvey Elliott's back from injury as well. And, and yeah, I expect him to point. crack on. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a, a bit scared race. for city. I won't lie. Huh? You have a title race for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. We, I mean, we and, all, and that's, do that's the other thing that the community teams, really. shield proved to me. Cause I, I wanted to see how big of an issue it would be for Liverpool to lose Mane. I still think it's going to be a big loss and that's why I don't think they'll win the league, but they, they proved to me in the community shield that it's going to be Liverpool and city once again. Yeah, going to be real interesting. And with that, Justin, we can move to our categories and we'll start with the golden boot. And I'm pretty sure we have the same player written down here. Oh, well, I, when you say that, I know it's true. If I had said that, I don't know. But if you say that you have Erling Holland, then you have Erling Holland. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I mean, KDB serving him up uh, crosses is just too dangerous in that team. Uh, he's not the best striker in the league. Harry Kane is, but he's in a better team and the, the service that he's going to get is, is superior. So he's just going to bang in goals. And like I said, I'm not even fully hundred percent confident in this. I just think it's the most likely Salah could win it. KDB could, I mean, uh, Kane could win it. A uh, son could win it, but I, I'm, I will tell you right now, I'm very confident in 23, 24 early calling winning it when he's fully settled into the team. The, I can 99%, almost hundred percent tell you that he's going to win that this season. I think he very well could win it, um, but I'm not nearly as confident. Yeah, I think there's a possibility he doesn't. Honestly, when the signing first happened, I was like, nah, 100% he's winning it. But I still think he's going to score a lot of goals. He's still mm. going to score, you know, 20 in the league, I think is very realistic. It's just whether someone else beats that really for me. Um, well, Salah's going to score 20 in the league too. So it's just. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, well I see. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, We'll see, but because Holland could get a lot more than that, as you say, right. De Bruyne serving it in, Bernardo Silva, Grealish, Foden, all these players with incredible delivery. Right. Like he, he's not going to be lack, uh, devoid of service. He really isn't. Um, and just will it take know, him we'll time see. to settle? Will it take him time to That's settle? Like it question. has Jack Grealish. The thing is that the the piece of that to me is even if it does take him time to settle, he scores 10, 15 goals. But if he if it doesn't take him time to settle, he scores 25, 30. Yeah, I think that's a good take. And then we can move to Golden Glove, Justin. I, I honestly still can't ma make my mind up on this one. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think I'm going to go Allison, actually. I think I am. I'm, I'm changing this last minute. I have Ederson written down right now, but I think it's going to be Allison. I'm changing my mind last second. Good. At least we'll have a different one. Ederson. I mean, yeah, the, those are the two, right? It has to be, I think. Um it's just those two are going to keep the most clean sheets and that's what golden glove is about unfortunately it's not about who's the best goalkeeper because then it would be a much more interesting debate but simply not what the debate is and then Justin, we can get to one of the biggest categories here and it's something that uh we both got wrong last year pfa mm. player of the year who do you think will win it i mean i have i predicted the same player all four years i think i have Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, he is the best player in the league. He is the best midfielder in the world. I think he will have an, un I, he could break the assist record this season with Erling Holland. If it doesn't take Erling Holland time to settle. Um, if not, he'll probably break it next season. Of course that he, he has that record already tied with uh, Henri, but yeah, I just, Kevin De Bruyne has to win it. He's won it two of the last three seasons. 
Um, even when he wasn't necessarily the best player that season, he still won it. So for me, it is Kevin De Bruyne every time. I've gone with a rogue shout here, Justin, but I think it's oh. one that you might like, to be honest, because you are very high on this player. I've gone for Harry Kane. I think wow. that uh, although I haven't predicted him to win the golden boot and spoiler, I've not predicted him to get the most assists either. I just think that he will get a significant amount of both and he'll be close to the top in both of those categories. And this is also just kind of a manifestation because he deserves to win this award. He should have had it two years ago without a shadow of a doubt. So I I guess this is wishful thinking in, in that sense, but I don't see any reason that Harry Kane wouldn't have another amazing season and maybe finally he'll get the recognition that he deserves. So I've picked Harry Kane to win PFA player of the year. I I mean, I kind of hope you're right. But I'm into this to win it, and <laughs> Harry Kane, Harry Kane won the Golden Boot and Playmaker Award, and Kevin De Bruyne still won the PFA Player of the Year, which is year. ridiculous. So, it can't so, happen again. Well, so that's why if you're if you're not even predicting him to win either award, there's no way he wins the Player of the Year. Yeah, but that's dumb because it's just not it maybe. But it may be. But I'm I'm in it to win it, baby. Let's fair uh, enough. I mean, I mean that, you do make you do make me rethink that decision, but it's you know what I'm sticking with it. With that, we can move to the young player of the year, who I again believe we undoubtedly have the same player. Yeah, Erling Holland for all of the reasons that we've already talked about. Yeah, if he wins golden boot, he wins that. But you don't have Harry Kane for playmaker award. Uh, you don't have Kevin De Bruyne for player of the year. Do you have him for playmaker? I don't, Justin. And and wow. let me explain why. Because with the loss of Raheem Sterling and the loss of Gabriel Jesus. I think De Bruyne is going to take up a similar role or responsibility they did last year, which is scoring goals. I think he's going to score more goals than, than he's going to assist goals. And I know, I know Holland contributes to that obviously, but at the same time, you guys lost a lot of goals that you had to replace. And I think De Bruyne, as he did last year, where he had 15 goals and eight assists, I think he will have more goals than he will assist. Uh, I know wow. it's a bit of a, of a rogue shout, but for that reason, I've picked Trent Alexander-Arnold to to retain his crown for Ooh. the most assists. Uh, or, you know, he didn't win. Well, actually, he didn't win it. Now that I think about it, he was no. one behind Salah, but yeah. I think he will win it this year. And I think Darwin Nunez is a big part of that because um, I think Trent will just whip in a million crosses like he always does. But now he has a striker who's very aerially competent to head the ball in. So I've gone for Trent. That's interesting. And, and w- when you mention that point, it also m- means that Cancelo is probably taking a lot of these assists away from De Bruyne, serving the balls up to, to Holland uh, mm-hmm. as far as crosses, right? Uh, maybe a, this, a new left back as well. It's a good point. I'm sticking with Erling Holland. I mean, I'm sticking with Kevin De Bruyne, though. No, that's fair. I mean, it's it's a pretty good, you know, default guess if you want, just because, you know, with Holland, I just feel like his service isn't going to be his main role, even though, you know, obviously he gets a ridiculous amount of assists from center mid and um, you know, it's not like he's crossing the ball all the time because he is taking central positions, obviously has freedom, but I don't know. I just, I just think Trent to Nunez is going to be a dangerous combination. Fair enough. And speaking of all those goals, who's going to get the goal of the season? I mean, this is always a, a crapshoot, right? Like, there's we haven't gotten this right ever. I, I'd be shocked if we do. <laughs> so I've just gone for someone who scores bangers upon bangers, and I've gone for James Ward-Prowse. And I think that he probably could have won it last year with that free kick against Wolves, which was just absolutely ridiculous, out of this world. Uh, 
and he always scores bangers. So even though he might not score the the biggest banger of all the bangers, he will score at least one. So <laughs> that's why I'm putting him down. Yeah, I just I, I think it's a good pick, but for some reason, goal of the season rarely, if ever, goes to a free kick. It seems maybe I'm, my memory's failing me, but I just it doesn't go to free kicks. I I don't know. Maybe people aren't as impressed by those. Um, J- Ward Prowse is yeah as good as it gets in that department in the world, though. For me, instead of going for a player that just scores bangers, I went for a player that just scores a ton of goals. Erling Holland. Maybe oh, he gets. Come on. Maybe he Boring. gets. No, nah, maybe he gets a. He, he very possible. I imagine he picks up up the ball at midfield and then he bodies off a couple defenders while he's driving and then he finishes it. Uh, you know, in a big game or something, totally could happen. I see it. Or he scores a bike or he scores some flick that's audacious. If he scores 30 goals, maybe one of them is the goal of the season, you know? I mean, yeah, in terms of volume, that's not a horrible shout. But at the same time, I feel like it's just a with the goals shoot, that he said. scores. No, but he scores some great goals, but he's never scored a goal in his career that would even come close to winning primary no, goals. I, because I, the, I com- the competition is so high because there's just a, some outrageous goals scored in this league. And, and I think maybe that one kind of like scissor bike he had a, a, a few years ago would maybe compete. But I don't know. I think his goals are going to be more just efficiency and ruthlessness more probably spectacular ability just a crapshoot as you said i went for volume rather than the player that's that's fair uh and speaking of volume justin who's gonna get the most fpl points i mean this see this is the problem it's just unfair because it is muhammad salah and like there is no debate about it because it's just the way that fpl is set up like sure son can is second and kane is third but it's just unfair because Sal is a midfielder, right? And so Kane just can't compete. Son maybe can, but he's just slightly below what Sala will produce. Um, plus, he's not the main man in that team, in my opinion. It is Kane. So it's just it's just unfair. I mean, Sala gets those clean sheet points uh, for free. He gets the five points for all the goals he scores as a winger, and then he gets you know, three points for assists as well as everybody else. But it's just unfair. Like Holland can't compete because he's he's a striker. Uh You might think it's De Bruyne, actually, if you're going to say he's going to score that many goals, but I just don't see that. I see him getting more assists. And so, yeah, it just has to be Mohamed Salah. I have not picked Mohamed Salah. I'm joking. I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. Of course, I've picked Salah. (laughs) No, no, I've definitely picked Salah. He's just going to keep like he's he does it every year. I I don't see why that would end now. So, yeah, Yeah. it's got to be Salah. And moving on to managers, then, who's your manager of the season? I've gone for Pep Guardiola. Um, I did not pick him last year. He didn't win it last year, which is just stupid because Klopp winning it makes no sense. And we did a whole rant about this. We don't need to get into it now, Justin. Uh, I've gone for Guardiola, City winning the title. Yeah, I mean, it's just straightforward. Straightforward as well. So straightforward that I don't even need to add on. Best team, best manager, best everything. They win the league, Pep Guardiola. Um, But what's a lot harder to predict or a lot more of a crapshoot the sack race, Garrett. Who's the first manager to get sacked this season in the Premier League? The one hesitation I have with this pick is that since they've given him no backing, maybe they'll have mercy, but I've gone for Scott Parker just because Bournemouth are going to be so bad. They're going to be horrific. Like they're going to be so bad. And so I think even though it's not really his fault because they haven't given him any signings that are Premier League quality, really. I, I think Scott Parker goes. I think Bournemouth, you know, maybe 
pull a, a Crystal Palace a few years ago. Remember when they hired DeBoer and then after losing their first four games, they sacked them immediately. Scott Parker will probably make it a little longer than that, but I could see him going pretty quickly because ah, I don't think Bournemouth will be winning many games this year. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that's a relatively safe pick. I could be Scott Parker. It could be Marco Silva just because their teams are, we don't think are going to perform very well. And that means that you're going to get sacked really quickly. But to me, I went for maybe a little bit different uh, aspect and more somebody that their team maybe is not horrible, but they're just going to underproduce what it is. And there's two of those for me. The first one is Thomas Thukel because I put Chelsea in sixth place. Obviously, I think that's obviously an underperformance. I think what he did last season was underperformance. And if it were to be Roman Abramovich, who is still the owner, I would for sure pick Thomas Tuchel because he would be gone. And the other piece to that is Thomas Tuchel loves, you know, leaving places because he doesn't get along with the front office management, um, which could very well happen again because he's not getting the players that he wants. I mean, that's what happened at Dortmund. They just didn't get along and he left because he's not getting the players that he wants. Seems similar here at Chelsea. However, I don't know what Todd Bowley is going to do. I don't know how he's running the club. As I said, I don't even understand what he's trying to do. So besides just, you know, sign superstars, but other than that, there's no actual plan behind it. So maybe he just leaves Tuchel there for a while, despite underperformance. For me, who the other person in the debate is, you won't like it, but Frank Lampard. Oh, he is as I said, the squad doesn't fit what he's trying to do. So he's going to, and he has a a good easy start to the season relatively. So if he starts off poorly, he could get sacked immediately. The re the issue with that is that he has the backing of the fans right now. Um, So the fans would have to turn on him quickly in order for him to be the first one to go. But I totally see Frank Lampard, losing a couple, a few of those first games against teams that he should be beating in order to stay up, right? Leeds and, and uh, I don't even know who else you have, but so, some poor teams in your first five, I believe. And he does, just doesn't perform well. The fans think, oh crap, we're going to be in another relegation race. Get him out of here and get Sean Dyche in immediately. Back with all of his Burnley players. He will keep you up. It might not be the most exciting season, but Sean Dyche would keep you up. That's why I have you 15th place. You're doing average with Sean Dyche for most of the season after Lampard gets sacked. I'm going to pretend that you didn't say any of that. My prediction. You're going, you're, you're, you're locking in Lampard. Lampard. I, I really thought you were going to say Brendan Rogers. I won't lie just because of what you said about Lester. Um, no, He'll get Lamp- sacked, Lamp- but he just Lamp- won't be the first one. Lampard is not going to be the first one. I-, I would bet money with you right now that Lampard will not be the first one. Well, it's not e- well. Sure, if you get everybody else, one versus nineteen managers, pretty bad odds. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We can we can discuss what the- what the odds might be. I wonder what. I mean, I I know he is towards the top. Actually, the the bookies would say, Justin, you're actually making a safer prediction than I am on that but I don't I don't agree with it I he don't, has yeah, the backing of the fans it's, as well yeah the, the fans yeah, is the I, issue for me and like I said I would have picked Tuchel I just if it was Abramovich Tuchel would get sacked so fast but I don't know Boley I don't know what he's going to do Abramovich would sack this guy within the first 10 games yeah potentially but you know there might be people getting sacked before the first 10 games and that's Lampard. I think it'd be Scott Parser Scott Scott Parker Scott Parker Lampard. it's not gonna be Lampard it's not gonna be Lampard the thing about uh, it is Lampard has easy games, so he shouldn't be getting sacked that early, but we'll see. He's not going to. We'll, we'll be we'll be fine. He's not going because the expectations aren't like Europe or anything. Like we, no, we but just want to survive. His, his games are so easy. Survive. 
his games are so easy that if he's losing those games, the fan base will realize, oh, crap, we're in another relegation battle. Well, I'm not a fan of the fact that you think we're going to lose a whole bunch of the games that we're going to be at because we're going to be at the beginning of the <laughs> season. So I'm not a fan you. of that. Why do you think I want to be in the leads end for that game, mate? Get out of here. Get out of here. We're not. No, nah, nah, not happening. Anyway, Justin. Anyway, comment, have... comment and tell us who's going to win these prem predictions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously you can give us your predictions for whatever categories you want, uh, whether that be the entire table or your top six or, uh, you know, golden boot, et cetera, et cetera. Let us know in the comments. Obviously predicting the Premier League is impossible, but it's always a lot of great fun. And with that, Justin, we can move on to our last few topics for the episode. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Prem predictions are my favorite episode every year, so I'm, I love that. But quickly, we got to move on to a couple MLS things. First, there were just a couple MLS records that were set, had to be mentioned. For the first time in MLS history, we had two matches on a single day that have ended with both teams scoring at least four goals. I, I hope that makes sense, right? Both teams in two different games scored four goals. We had two games that ended 4-4, four, four, which is just ridiculous right um and the other piece was philadelphia union became the first team in mls history to score six goals in multiple home games in a single season that's why they're competing at the top of the east um i picked them as my supporter shield uh, picks when we did our mls predictions preseason so i i love that they're it's interesting though, because they're not a team that, you know, I think of as scoring a ton of goals. They're a team that's wins one or two nil and just doesn't concede. So interesting stat there, right? Yeah, that is interesting. And, you know, again, as you say, just on the, on the first record there, it's a league of chaos, man. So entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. is a league of chaos. And it's also a league of transfers this season. Uh, David Mosqueda uh, has just transferred to an independent Independiente Medellin to Portland Timbers for nearly two million, one point nine million dollars. He'll become a U nine U twenty two initiative player. Um, I look, I don't know a ton about him, obviously, but all I know is Villarreal uh, tried to hijack that deal and failed. So he has, you know, that that that's a good sign, right? If a La Liga team wants him, that that's a very good sign. The other piece is we got a new DP in MLS this week, and it is Emiliano Rigoni. Uh, to Austin FC from Sao Paulo, about $4 million per ESPN. Um, obviously, they had to get rid of Cecilio Domingos, Cecilio Dominguez in order to uh, open up that spot for Rigoni. Uh, they mutually terminated their contract. Obviously, they had all the off-the-field issues. He hasn't been playing at all recently. Um, he's gone, and they got a, a new DP in. Hopefully, it works out for them. Um contract through 2024 with two seasons of options and he reunites with Sebastian Riusi who to me just has to be the MLS favorite of uh, uh, MLS MVP favorite right now he's reuniting with him they play together at Zenit St. Petersburg so hopefully they can uh, rekindle that and and play really well for Austin FC yeah the fact Austin are getting better is kind of scary uh, especially for you LAFC fans so watch out yeah I'm not I'm not worried <laughs> um, we talked about it weeks ago, but we didn't know the price. It is $15 million. Gagas Lenina from Chicago Fire to Chelsea. I don't think either of us like this, right? 
He's just going to go in the Chelsea loan system. It's a little bit higher price than I think either of us expected. So good for Chicago fire, but not necessarily great for Gagoslini. Now it's just a question mark about where his career goes and it's no longer in his hands where it, it would have been prior. There's to me, there's just no way he becomes, you know, a backup at Chelsea. He's going to get loaned out and that's just not what I want for him. Um, not good for just his development, but I, I'm sure you agree with that. What I don't know is how do you feel about Luis Suarez going home to Nacional in Uruguay? I mean, he had a ton of MLS offers. He had offers from elsewhere. Did he make the right choice in going back to Uruguay to prepare for the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, why not? I, I think he wants to go home. He's been away from Uruguay for a, a long time, obviously. Um, and, you know, I feel like his move to Atleti and, and then winning another title was kind of the last hurrah of his career, other than the World Cup, of course. But, you know, gets to go back home uh, and be with his family and play. And I, I don't see why that wouldn't be a good decision for him. He's 35. You know, the, the curtains are beginning to close. So I think it's a beautiful reunion um, with Nacional in his home country. So, yeah, why not? Fair enough. I would have liked to see him in MLS, um, but hey, it is what it is. Um, I think it probably would have prepared him a little bit better for the World Cup as well, uh, just the physicality of it and the ability to you know, keep his, his fitness and physicality about him in heading into that World Cup. But sure, it's a nice, it's a nice uh, story. But with that, we can move to our moment of the week, Garrett. This, mine would have been that... Uh, that Euros final that we discussed, the women's Euro, where they uh, crashed their manager's press conference and were jumping on the table, screaming, it's coming home. I love that. Uh, instead, I chose a different celebration, though, and it was Malik Foster of Sacramento Republic. He scored a penalty in the penalty shootout on a panenka, which he, by the way, said the only reason he did is because one of the other players tried to get in his head and he just had to prove to him that he wasn't in his head at all. So he decided I'm going to shoot a panenka and it was cheeky and, and perfectly executed. But to follow it up, he then did a backflip and then hit the Steph Curry night-night celebration. It was the most incredible penalty shootout penalty that I've probably ever seen uh they then won the penalty shootout on the next penalty uh it was just fantastic malik foster you are a bad man yeah but you say the next penalty justin it's my point of contention you you don't show about like that when you haven't won yet he got lucky did not come back to bite him if he had scored the winning pen this would have been even more elite i mean it's obviously (laughs) hilarious but it could have been better is the only thing i'm saying he should have gone fifth if he had that much ice in his veins Maybe it wasn't up to him, man. I guess, but, you know, could could have asked for it. Anyway, my moment of the week, Justin, comes from uh, Everton's preseason friendly against Dynamo Kiev uh, just last weekend. Um, the They played this game in order to raise charity funds for Ukrainian refugees, um, a great cause. But there was an awesome moment at the end of the game where right after the final whistle, Everton brought on a supporter named Paul Stratton, who since the war broke out in Ukraine has been making trips to the border of Poland and Ukraine of Poland and Ukraine, providing aid for refugees and, and, you know, giving basically the clothes off of his back and risking his life um, to provide for those people. 
and just an amazing person. And they let him come on to the pitch, score a penalty in front of the Gladys Street end in a full Everton kit, name and everything, celebrate with the players in front of the fans. It was a beautiful moment. It absolutely was, Garrett. And normally I would say you're being a homer picking Everton constantly, but this one was a great moment of the week. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that. A little, little <laughs> bit of a backhanded compliment, but I'll take it. <laughs> hey, I'm saying that you, you picked a good one this time. But with that... Um, this time... <laughs> We can we can finish up our Premier League predictions episode. Uh, this is always just, as I said, one of the best episodes of the year, if not the best episode. I absolutely love doing it. It's always fun at the end of the year to look back and see how wrong we were. Uh, we don't know what we're talking about, but we do at the same time. Um, with that, we can uh, tell you to look forward for our game of the week. Of course, it just has to be the very first Premier League game of the season. Crystal Palace hosting Arsenal. Uh, it will be a fantastic game. Arsenal obviously uh, went to Brentford on the first game of the season last season and lost, and it was one of the most memorable games of the season on the first day. So hopefully we can get something memorable like that again. Uh, so tune in next week for the recap of that and all the analysis. But uh, please go ahead and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, we are at U90Official on Twitter and at Upper90Official on both Instagram and TikTok. Thank you very much for listening.